Hi, I'm Jake. I'm Steve. And I'm Peter. And, and we're the Elevens. Hey guys. How's it going? I think our listeners need to understand and appreciate our collective dedication to our craft. It is 11.09 p.m. local time on a weeknight, and we have adapted our schedules to accommodate some different time zone guests, and I can't even remember the last time I was doing something real and productive at 11.09 p.m. on a weeknight. This is how much we care about this podcast. Yeah. I mean, debatable whether this is real and productive, but I agree with you. This is the latest I've been up in years, like quite literally. And Peter just told us that he took a nap before this. So in he put his children down, then took a nap, set his alarm and showed up to this. A hundred percent true. And I was so groggy when my alarm went off. It took me a little bit of time to, uh, and the beer is helping. Yeah, no, it definitely helps. And what about you, Steve? Steve's in central time zone. So I have, yeah, I'm, I got an hour on you guys. I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Also, I mean, gr- Peter, you groggy is still like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog on cocaine. Like it's still, yeah, no, it is. It's fine. <laughs> so we're really excited to bring this guest in. That's a little bit of a lie because this is our first episode with multiple guests, uh, so we're really excited about that. One of them is really good friends with the governor of Kansas. We're going to have to dig into that. And the other one once had his hair dyed blonde live on TV on TRL. Oh, not- <laughs> are you shitting me? Really? Not, not <laughs> sure mean, I've that's... ever said a more 90s sentence than that. So, oh wow <laughs> that's a good fun fact um oh. they just had a baby together and when they got back from the hospital some nice friends organized a meal train for them including food that was prepared by a michelin starred chef so like talk about a kid being born with a silver spoon in his mouth and they are now happily settled back in the bay area after a couple of years in portland oregon in a house that one of them actually never saw and bought sight unseen. I think our class must have the most tuk-tuk couples that ever existed. We figured we needed to do an episode with a tuk-tuk couple, and we couldn't be more psyched to have Kenton Cavestu and Annie Shee representing the tuk-tuk couple community. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Welcome, welcome. It's so good to talk to you guys. Uh, well, guys, we are so excited to talk to you, and we feel like we have so much to dive into, but I really think the first thing we need to hear about is this TRL situation. Yeah, so, get it out of the way, because if we don't talk about that, I'm going to have it in my brain the whole time while you're talking about your child, and I won't be listening. <laughs> Basically, uh, it was the summer before my second year in undergrad, and some friends and I 
were in New York on a scavenger hunt that uh drunk trip yeah the <laughs> scavenger hunt is like the generous term for it or the euphemistic term for it it's like a fraternity uh trip and one of the like challenges was to get on TRL and I think that in the fraternity they'd given this challenge to like you know 10 classes in a row and it's just sort of like a joke challenge and it never ever happens and we were in New York we showed up at like the MTV studios to like see what was going on. Um, there was like a massive line that looked like, it, you know, we were at the end of it because we showed up way too late to get into the show. And so we were like standing there puttering around and basically gave up and went to a sandwich shop next door and we're just like waiting in line to, to get sandwiches. And one of the guys in our group starts talking to this woman in line behind him and she gets a call as we're standing there. I was like, what? Oh my gosh, no, that's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Gets off the call and is like, oh, we were doing this like live hair dyeing thing on the show in like an hour. And the guy that was doing it just canceled. And now we need a guy with like dark brown hair to get his hair dyed blonde. And she like looked around at the group of us standing there was like, what about you? You're kidding. You and there you are, like eight Budweiser's deep. Yeah. And just... yeah. So I get volunteered to do this thing. They bring us in. They seat all of my friends in the audience because they're with me. Who like It's like a motley crew. One of them is supposed to be dressed like Frodo Baggins the entire trip. Oh, yes. <laughs> got like a Frodo Baggins with us. One guy has been like drinking since 6 a.m. And he's he ended up like throwing up during this filming. <laughs> Um, so it, was a, it was like a bit of a mess, but anyway, classy, classy. we show up and they basically, the, the shtick was they're having one guy and one girl get their hair dyed blonde live. And they were trying to show, it was some like product placement. They're trying to show how easy it was to dye your own hair blonde. So like, you're supposed to, or like, you're supposed to be able to like show yourself, like doing your own hair thing. Um, so they do this like on, on camera um it looks awful of course and then they sort of like cart us off off camera and are like hey you know they have like a stylist come in and try and fix it and I mean like the whole thing was a mess they basically ended up bringing us out back on stage and uh I think at one point the producer was like someone's gotta like fix this guy's hair <laughs> just like doesn't look good enough um yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how good do you look with dyed blonde hair and super dark, huge brown Zero eyebrows? Good. Zero good. Zero <laughs> uh, good. Annie, Annie, that's I so funny. I was going to ask. I was going to ask if they dyed the eyebrows as well, or if they just you know. are a significant portion of the overall hair real estate they on the head. They did not dye my eyebrows, which I'm very thankful for, because then I would have had to shave those off. Annie, were you in the, I actually don't know the origins of your relationship, but were you in the picture at this point? No, 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 I know, no. I don't think I would have been capable of holding Annie's interest <laughs> at that age. Girl, <laughs> girls kind of came later in life for Ken. We met uh, at Google, actually. Yeah. We were on the same team at Google and we started kind of dating in 2008. So I honestly, by the time that we went to talk, we'd been together for maybe a year. Is that right? Something uh, like that. Oh, wait. We, yeah, we started talking. Talk we don't the remember the fall. Oh, wow. So you were pretty fresh. You were pretty fresh when you came. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we were new. We did not apply together. We didn't apply together. Yeah. 
we we started dating right when we that were. That is a fun five. fact. Yeah, I fully was like, cool. Kenton seems nice, but I'm going to go to business school somewhere, and he's going to go somewhere <laughs> else, and it's going to be done. It's going to be the end of it. Yeah, and then it was it like, oh, actually, we both got in there, and we actually really both want to go there. And I was like, oh, I guess we'll stay together. You're stuck with me now. <laughs> Wait, so when you guys were considering going to Tuck, was there like ever an option or a discussion? Like one of you wanted to go somewhere else. Did you have to like define your relationship more seriously before you chose where to go? How about Dr. Phil over here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the point at which the school, like where are we applying decisions was so early in the relationship that there was no like, hey, like we're going to, purposely try and overlap schools and honestly I mean like I was not planning to apply to Tuck Mm, Uh, I had a bunch of other schools in mind and I went to my manager and said hey I'm thinking about applying to business school and I'd love if you'd write a recommendation for me and he was a Tucky and he's like where are you applying and I said some schools he's like oh okay that's great but like I'm not writing your recommendation unless you also apply to Tuck and so Tuck like Tuck went on the list because my manager introduced me to a bunch of his tuck friends and I met them and it, it really did seem like a good, genuine, humble, smart crew, which was appealing to me. And I honestly, I think what sold me was every single person he connected me to was so wonderful and nice and smart and humble. And, you know, like I'm very much just like, I want like a wonderful everyday experience with like nice fucking people did we go to that info session in san francisco together where dean danos gave yeah do you remember what he said i'm paraphrasing a little bit but not much like if you like being in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and like learning about business i i recommend you think about attending the talk school of business (laughs) like walked out and i remember i went to my manager the next day and i was like i went to that info session and that guy i gotta be honest it was not a compelling bitch, but <laughs> I mean, I gotta say that actually, that pitch would have worked hook, line, and sinker for me personally. <laughs> like, you want to be in the middle of nowhere and learn about business, lose all your money. Tell me where to sign up for that. Yes, definitely. So none of us came to Tuck with a significant other at Tuck like you guys did. So what was it like navigating that experience? trying to form your own identity and your own experience, but also continuing to build your relatively new one-year-old relationship. The thing that sticks out to me is the first month, I would say, it felt like early on, I don't know if other people felt this, but I felt like early on, everyone was kind of like super friendly, but also like low-key not low-key sizing each other up like oh hey where are you from oh cool like I worked at McKinsey oh where'd you work oh mm, that seems okay mm, okay bye um and so I felt like yeah. I, felt, <laughs> I felt like it was just so much small talk slash sizing each other up and then it was actually so nice to come back home to someone who you already knew and already knew who you were and like you didn't have to kind of prove yourself to or be particularly performative with and, so you, and that you, all went away eventually, but I think early on that felt really, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, that's I, true. It's like you come to school with a buddy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You've already let out of the bag and, and we know this, but you have a child. Please oh, tell yes. us more about this delightful soul that you've brought into the world. We have a baby. His name is Charlie. It took us 
so long to think of a name. Yeah, we left the hospital without a name. We left the hospital without a name. Wait, is that true? I thought they don't. I thought they don't they allow don't, you to leave. We don't normally do so, but in COVID times, I think they were like the person that's actually like registering the names officially isn't going to come in until like a day and a half after you are scheduled to leave. So if you want, you can leave and then call us before that moment. You're like, so, here's her phone number. Call her before. So this we time. were like, great, we're going to. That's interesting. Yeah. And we did. Um, and then we, we finally settled on the very first name we ever talked about like seven months early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chuck. which is Charlie. It's not Charles. It's just Charlie. Because But what about Chuck? Can it bleed into Chuck? Like if you were on a scavenger hunt in New York, like would your buddies call you Chuck in that situation? I mean, if you want that to be kind of your branch alter ego that is on TRL and looks terrible and then eventually gets axed from your usual professional like usage of your name, I think that's fine. He's going to do something so worse. I mean, that's just like the way it goes. Like I look at my kids every day and I'm like, oh man, like I know there's going to be a day where you come okay. home and something horrific has happened in the basement. Um, so we have done many wonderful trips in Sea Ranch, which is an incredible place in, in California coast with Pete Stosich and, and Liz, his wife. And we had a conversation many years ago about what would be the most oh, no. difficult thing to hear from your kids coming home. Like what would be like the hardest oh, thing geez. for you to understand and process? Like basically like kind of like what is our parents' generation of like coming out to your parents? Like some parents. Oh, I know mine. What is it? Uh, if Molly said to me, I'm dating Griffin Cognazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, and, the and- probability of that. I mean, these guys watch out for them. <laughs> And Jake, for you, it's uh, I'm a Democrat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the the thing that we all kind of centered around was if your child came home and was like, I'm in love with an with like with an alien or like an AI. No, not an alien, a robot. Oh, it was a robot. Yeah, like an AI robot. I guess I in me in my mind it was kind of the category of like not a human. No, it was specifically an AI robot. Okay, fine. What's the, movie, what's the movie that we're talking about here? There is a what's movie. Her? Her. Her. Yeah. This, I think this, but this, this is pre, pre, predates her. her. We, the conversation predates and her. Also, to be perfectly clear, no pot had been smoked at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like zero. So strictly, you had half a dozen gummies and a bottle of wine, but no pot was smoked. Yeah. This is worse than like I, I joined the Hells Angels or something. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the Hells I, Angels, God, is that from like the 1970s? My God. Yeah, yeah like the Hells yeah. Angels, like you <laughs> might be kind of proud. I don't know what it what it takes to get into that, but it's like, uh, I well, think you know, it's murder, up. Jake. I think it's it's regular murder. God, you're so murder? soft. Yeah, what is it, regular? It irregular. <laughs> we have regular. It's just regular, regular classic murder. <laughs> no bells or whistles. It's just you murder somebody. Just the most like Canadian no, no, murder I've ever heard. No just good reason. To just straight murder them. Just like I needed this person to not be alive anymore, and now they're not. <laughs> Um, I, well, listen, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I would be more terrified of the, you know, Griff or Jack coming home and saying, you know, dad, I'm in love with a machine that would really challenge me though. You know, I've never even thought of that. Like my mind is not even 
But is your is your is your thought process with that, Annie? You made it an analogy to like our parents' generation hearing that their kid was gay, which is obviously totally normal now. So is your thought with that that a generation from now, a kid being in love with a robot will be totally socially acceptable? I mean, that's the push. It's, I think that's within the realm of possibility. It seems within the realm, like within the lifetime, maybe. I mean, I know like, it's, it's, pro- it's a probably, little crazy It's to probably think about. a stretch just like looking at where things are right now, um, technology-wise, but I think... I think it's within the, I think it's within the spectrum. You guys just teed up um, a good transition to another question that I had, which is we've been talking about people potentially marrying robots, but the two of you have chosen not to marry each other, but have obviously chosen. I want to marry a robot. Are you asking which one of us is a robot? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm a little person. So slick, (laughs) Peter. What a. What a transition. You know, I, am, is, I, I, I love how P- Peter, hold on. I love how you start this. You're like, you know, in a natural dovetail from this conversation, <laughs> like absolutely not. No, but I clarified with you guys in the pre-interview that you are not married, which indeed you are not. And I'm legitimately curious as maybe some of our classmates might be as well as to why you guys have chosen not to go down that traditional path, but still continue forming your family together I guess the most basic way to say it is I I never dreamt about being married I never dreamt about a wedding I never like saw a happy married couple and was like I also want to be legally bound to somebody like I just never was something that I got excited about and then when Kenji and I got in a relationship and got more serious I was like oh this is so great like I love having a partner. I love being in a relationship with somebody. Like I really love growing this, but to me, somehow being in a relationship that was like serious and and loving and wonderful always seemed really decoupled from like the act of getting married. I don't know why, but it, it never, they never were causal or they never were linked or they never were related somehow. And honestly, like over the years, we've talked about like, Hey, should we get married? Like, might be fun to have a party like might be fun to like throw something and honestly like we would talk about it for 10 minutes and be like oh my god what a nightmare like let's stop doing this immediately it's hard to explain but I I love going to weddings like I love going to other people's weddings and like celebrating them and I like always cry at weddings and I really actually enjoy them as a participant but I've never myself like wanted to be the star. Of that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's something we have to clarify. We're not like marriage curmudgeons. No, no. Like we enjoy them a lot. I've officiated a wedding and had a ton of fun doing that. Yeah, but I, I would echo sort of what Annie said. Like I think, well, when when I think about this topic, like what are like the inputs to like a relationship and like what really matters and like day to day happiness and and like the benefits you derive from it. And like the the formal status of say marriage is not something that ever registers for me. Like we're like, that is one thing that I would derive any extra benefit from. Um, and then a wedding in particular, like I, I actually, I mean, I don't, Annie can chime in on her perspective of this, but I don't particularly like being like the center of attention either. I don't either. Um, and so like the thought of like making a whole day an event like about me seems sort of weird uh, and unappealing to me. Well, yeah. first of all, you're, you you got to understand that, you know, your desire not to be the center of attention 
you're talking to three guys who started a podcast. So we can't relate to that at all. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I will say we feel entrapped right now in, in what's happening. Yeah, no, for sure. No, but in, in all seriousness, okay. it's very romantic. I think it's a very romantic notion that like you are just like doing it every day. I think that like having a kid together is a different level of commitment. You're like, well, at this point, we have to raise Charlie to not be in the Hells Angels. And so you have like that level of connection. <laughs> or to not marry a robot. Yeah. He's the Hells Angels. Or to not re- oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Hells Angels, fine. Robot, no, just no. But like, I know. Just regular old murder is fine. Okay. Yes. Classic exactly. Exactly. murder. Classic, Classic murder. murder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Has anything surprised you or annoyed you like logistically, legally, insurance-wise with like having a kid but not being married? Is there anything that you're like, are you kidding me? That's a really good question. Actually, every time- Oh, for fuck's sake, every week. (laughs) Yes, I got it. I got it. Every week. When when someone says that's a really good question. Every week. Peter always wins. I kill it. Oh, he's the pride of Harvard College. Honestly, (laughs) we're so lucky to have him. Please proceed. (laughs) So- Uh, basically every, I feel like every, whatever, I don't want to call them milestones, but every time I'm kind of like, Ooh, maybe get it, maybe being married would get us a benefit here. I always like do research and be like, actually you just do this. Like, so like we're on the same health insurance. And I was like, Oh, do we have to be married? And I was like, Nope, you just in state of California, just like write their name and get their social security number. And then when we had a kid, I was doing research and I was like, Oh, maybe this will make a difference. Like and I did research and I was like, nope, all you have to do is like put both names on the birth certificate and like same difference. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, so I keep on kind of looking it up to see, oh, is there some benefit to being married? Like legal, legal, yeah, legal, 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 benefit. legal yeah. benefit. And, and I haven't it's, found anything. It's yet. actually been like, I think we both expected at some point, like, oh, we're just going to ha- have to get married. Cause like this, like, we're going to have to like cobble together so much other stuff. It'll be such a pain in the ass. But it actually hasn't been true. I mean, yeah. Both of us, I think, have been like shocked by that. I don't know. Maybe we missed something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys all have kids. Yeah. What's some advice you have? Steve doesn't like being a parent, so don't ask. Don't ask Steve. Jake and I love our children, and our fathers love them. We love activities. We love getting families together. We like being with family and friends, and. <laughs> nurturing these children steve on the other hand is teaching classic murder he's like sit down welcome to texas there's classic murder here but what what age how old is chuck he's almost five months yeah he's like a week away from five months yeah all right i you know i think that this is like kind of a nice period because you're going from like baby zone into like borderline you know there's like more smiling and giggling and things like that which i think is pretty exciting kenton especially for you it's like welcome to the party a little bit like dad is being recognized but you know enjoy these moments of having a controllable being because before you know it um you lose control and you're setting up fences in your house (laughs) You got to make sure they don't hurt themselves. So it'll get, they'll, you know, Chuck will be super cute once he's mobile and walking around and giving big hugs when you come home and think, I mean, that's the best. I don't know what you guys think, but like you come home and you get a hug. It's like, oh gosh, that's, that's the top. Yeah. 
But I, I will agree with Jake. I thought for my first that the period of like five months to nine months when they're totally responsive and recognizing you and smiling and like developing their personality, but they can't move on their own. Always. <laughs> that was the best. It's <laughs> fine. Totally. Okay, so basically enjoy the next four months. And, and then, then after hopeless. after that, it's like all downhill. And then, yeah, so then, I forget it. Like, well, honestly, it sounds so cliche, but I will say like every new thing that they do is just like the greatest thing in the world. It's like they just, you know, split the atom and all they did was like learn how to like take a bite of a piece of pizza, but you think it's like the greatest thing in the whole wide world and it does just keep getting more fun. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Like they learn to take a shit on the potty. They don't even know how to wipe their ass. And you are literally going at you're like, who do we call? Who do we call? <laughs> we could talk. Literally the way we wake up, I'd say like 30% of the time right now is Griff, who's four and a half. We'll walk into our room. It'll be like 545 in the morning. Door opens up. Doesn't even look at me, but I just hear the sounds. I know what's happening turns on all the lights then he goes in the bathroom and takes a crap <laughs> and then and then all you hear and like i know what's coming he's just like i'm ready and that's all he says is i'm ready and then you're like <laughs> Not it. what a horrific way to wake up every day to just have someone come in your bathroom take a shit and tell you when they're ready to have their ass wiped so anyways, <laughs> Ken, you just enjoy this delightful period of time with your cute little small pooped Chuck, because guess what? Party's <laughs> over. Oh, so guys, tell us, bring everyone up to speed on what you all are up to. Kenton, you started your own business. So tell us how that's going. We've talked to a couple other people on the podcast, including Hooper who have gone the entrepreneurship route. So I would love to hear how it's going for you, what you've learned, what surprised you and, you know, all that good stuff. Let's see. So I think overall, like it is, it is very fun. It's a very different experience from like the big corporation experience. I think the biggest things that were surprising and I didn't fully realize or like internalize until I got into it and was doing my own thing is like, I mean, the way we also started is that like, I was like solo entrepreneur. Like I quit my job. I started working on this thing. There was no, I didn't hire anyone. I didn't raise any money. So just like, you know, Annie go to work and I'm like sitting in a co-working space, like alone. It's straight up like lonely. And I did not think about how much of a social environment work gives to you. And I think everyone's probably had some realization of that because of COVID and everyone worked remote for like a year. Like I had that realization back in like late 2016 when I started working on this myself and was like, holy cow, it's just like, you're just like alone all day. And then it's like, you like realize how much you get in your own like head when you're alone all day and you don't actually like interact or have any other distractions. And so the related part I would say, which is, regardless of whether you start with like co-founders or you have some team or you raise money. I think the other thing that's really uh, interesting about running your own business and maybe like, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it up front, but like the psychological aspect and the mental game is much tougher and much more challenging than like, Hey, how are we going to get a product out the door? How are we going to make something that users like, how are we going to find distribution channels? How are we going to go to market? Like all that stuff is 
like basically the stuff like we talk about in business school and there's like logical ways, rational ways to think through it, but it's much tougher when you're sitting there and you're like, my friends are like now going to be like VPs or on like C staff. And like, I'm just like doing this random thing. And like, maybe it's not going to go anywhere. And like that stuff can get in your head and that stuff's a lot harder to deal with. But like, you know, should we use LinkedIn as like a marketing channel? Um, but so that I would think that's not like a really good summary of what it's like to run your own business, but those are probably two of like the most surprising things. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that gets, you know, mitigated. And like when I started hiring a team and bringing people on that, um, you know, that definitely helps. Like the, the first thing I mentioned, of like just being really like it's lonely in the beginning. But the part that is like still lasts is like I don't have a co-founder. And so some of the things I wrestle with and struggle with it, they are things that it doesn't feel appropriate or that you can even really bring to the team. And so I think one of the other things that happens that might be interesting for folks listening is that like your partner, whether he or she wants to or not sort of becomes a co-founder. And so like Annie becomes the person that like I can go to, to, to like, you know, I'm thinking about this issue or like, I don't know how to think about this or like, I just need to vent about X and Y. And and that's sort of a weird burden that you like put on your partner, but it all, it, like, it seems very difficult to not do it because you need sort of some outlet for it. And you need someone that you, that's like in the circle of trust for a lot of stuff that, you know, you can't just like go to other random people or other people, even in your own company. For. One thing that I would add just as a partner is I think what would be hard for me, I don't know if it's hard for like as, as hard for Kenton as it would be for me is this notion of who defines success for you because I've always worked in by and large like larger companies where someone else sets the targets so someone else says like this is how much money we're going to try to make this is our sales target this is like blah 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 or like this is how much revenue we're trying to drive incrementally and for the most part it's like yeah cool like I'm going to try to shoot for that but I think just watching Kenton go through this process has been really interesting to be like wait what is success like you know, if we increase revenue by this much this year, is that good? Is that bad? Like who's who's actually determining what the valence of that is? And um, I think that's actually a really deep existential question for yourself is like, what kind of business am I trying to build? And like, what is my ultimate goal? And if you don't know what that is, I think that can be really hard as you're going through it because you don't know how harsh to be with yourself or how kind to be to yourself throughout that process. And I think I, I think that would be very hard for me if I if I were running that. I can't relate obviously to that experience, but it's like it it, it seems like it's much it's a, as much of a a business problem as like a psychological problem. It's like how do you keep like trucking forward? Because there's no one above you. Like the courage of your convictions that this is a thing that's going to work and it's like a product that needs to be in the market. Do you have like a like a network of of like you know I mean you 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 both have had like these jobs in these big tech companies. Do you have like a network of kind of advisors or people who you go to for advice for you know? It seems like being a founder, there's like there's times where there's a you know there's there's ups and downs, and you might need to pick me up. Do you have people to go to to talk about those things? There's a question in there somewhere, guys. I'm not sure if you were able to pull it out, but there was a question in there. Every episode, you sink my battleship like this. That was a perfectly, that was a perfectly legitimate question. It's like basically, it could have just been like, "Hey, Kenton, do you have an advisory board?" <laughs> like, like is that yeah, where... Jake, but that, but well, first of all, Jake, that would have required me knowing what my question was, 
at the beginning of that rambling because I didn't realize that Peter, who's driving the bus on this whole thing, had nothing to follow up Kenton's like pouring his heart out. Peter was just at the controls being like, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're going to wrap up here. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to scramble to figure out. Murder you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, job, Peter. Classic murder. I guess I mean, Peter, for you, it's like advisors help. And like people to talk to help, but at the end of the day, like you're sort of the only one who like knows the full picture and has all the details and you just have to wrestle with that. Can I just add some nuance to answer, which is that yeah. I do feel like for unique problems you come across, we, you and I actually sit around and generate like an advisory board of people for you to talk to based on the problem that you have. So it's, mm-hmm. we kind of like custom pull our networks to say like yeah. oh actually like i know someone who went through that i know someone who went through that to to actually like come up with a list of like seven people to talk to who've like been through something similar every time yeah and that's true and like like talk network folks like that like have been extremely helpful for that um you know because like all the different challenges you face are, are different yeah what obviously it's a pretty significant decision to quit a job. I know you worked at BCG. I can't remember if you were somewhere after BCG before you founded Rocket Blocks, but what was like the forcing function or the moment where you were like, yep, I'm ready to give it all up and just do this full time. Like that's got to be a pretty fucking scary and big decision to make. It is. It is scary. Um, so the, I went to Zynga right after talk. So I did my internship at BCG. I decided okay. to go into consulting, was going back to Zynga. The day before I started at Zynga, I pushed rocket blocks live you know rocket blocks sort of ran in the background was like oh it's cool it's like getting some traction like it's tiny but like some people were using it people were paying for it like this is cool when i decided to leave zynga about two years later i was like am i ready to like run this thing and i was like no i'm still too scared like i think i still had some student loans at that point so i took another job at a different startup at that point called flurry um flurry ended up getting bought by yahoo about a year and a half later and then i thought like I was like, okay, I'm going to like probably walk out the walk out the door on day one. I thought like Yahoo was going to be a really big mess. Ended up being more interesting than I expected. So I ended up staying for like two years. But the whole time in the background, like Rocketblocks was there and it was growing and I was interested in, in running it. I was basically having a conversation with my manager and he was great. Like my manager is one of the reasons I stayed there as long as I did. But we had this conversation where he's like, look, if you really want to be a VP at this company, you're going to need to spend a lot less time doing actual work and like working directly with your team and spending a lot more time just like meeting other SVPs and like telling them about what you do and like what your team is and why it's great and all this stuff. And I walked out of that meeting. I was like, I'm going to like quit this week. I was like, that's like, I don't want to do wow. that. It's wow. not compelling to me. Um, that was like the catalyst where it's like, I've been thinking about doing rocket blocks and that conversation, not because like Jose was right. Like that was the way to become a VP there. He was not lying to me. He was being perfectly honest, but I think it was like the just starkness of like, do I want to spend my time doing that? Um, So that was what like really like pushed me over the edge. Kenton, just before we wrap up talking about your career is um, how big is the business now? And just tell us sort of like how far you've come, how many employees do you have? And, you know, what do you see as the, as the future? Uh, we are four employees as of a couple of weeks ago, um, just had a new marketing guy join. So the business is sort of split in terms of revenue model. We have university partners 
And then we have dire like a direct-to-consumer business. Most of the business is actually direct-to-consumer, mm -hmm. but we do have a ton of great university partners, like very good adoption amongst US MBA programs. <laughs> we have basically every top MBA program <laughs> in the world as a client, except for Tuck. <laughs> Are you Stop. fucking kidding me? We have Stanford, Kellogg, Booth, <laughs> Yale, basically everyone except for Harvard and Tuck, I think. Um, I think we can, I think we can, so, you know, grease yeah, the skids have, over there. So All right. Well, we now have listeners on this podcast can help me with that. Uh, much appreciated. But yeah, um, you know, we handle, we started with consulting. We handle basically interview prep for consulting and a bunch of different tech careers now. And one of the things that we're working on is just sort of building out the different industry verticals we handle. And we've got one coming out. Um, shortly on behavioral interviews, which cut across pretty much every industry. So um, we're excited about that. And I think that will be like a good, it's definitely the, the broadest appeal product that we'll have launched. Has, has, the, has the decision to start the, 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 uh, that company, Ken, or I guess that maybe the question's for Annie, but has that impacted your own career des uh, decisions and what you've wanted to do with your career? Like if you have one partner that's taking tons of risk, then, you know, everyone else should be just working at Microsoft. Like. <laughs> uh, you know what? It hasn't at all. Like I've, I've always, we've always, uh, I think, think thought about our careers independent of each other. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's always been very driven by like, what are each of us most interested in? Like when he was thinking about leaving his, um, his job to, go start rocket blocks. I was like, yeah, like, go do it. Like you've been talking about this for a year. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just sick of hearing about it. Like, I want you to just go <laughs> do it. And if it like crashes and burns, like, great, like we'll get through it. And if it doesn't like, great. Um, but it hasn't, it hasn't affected my choices at all. Like I, cause I'm kind of just like, I need to do this something that will keep my interest for a while. And so I can't, it's really hard for me to make career decisions based on anybody else but me and what I find interesting. Nice. Love it. Give us an update on what you're up to. Back in November of 2020, I joined Google, which I, I Google was actually my first job out of college. So I worked there from 2004 to 2009, basically right before Tuck. Wow. And so I, I rejoined November, 2020. In essence, I'm working in the hardware group and I have a team that basically defines and designs what happens if you walk into a Best Buy or a Home Depot and you go to the Google hardware section and you touch any product. Like my team figures out, what do we tell you about? What's, what are the most interesting use cases? Like, do we have our display talk to our speaker? Like, how do we design your activity in that display? So um, I've always been really interested in the intersection between physical and digital design and retail in general. And so this is a, a new job I'm actually really excited about. It's it's hard to, to kind of get my head in the space at the moment. Um, I'd only been there for two months before I went on maternity leave. Uh, so I've officially been on leave for, for twice as long as I, I was since I was working there, but that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing now. And I'm actually really excited. I'm going back to work um, in a month and I'm actually really excited about it. So nice. on that I mean, we, we connected a lot um, when I was in SF and you were at Frog and, you know, I got a chance to talk to you a lot about like, you know, sort of design consulting, innovation consulting, and, and that line of work. Do you feel, I mean, that that there was a direct line from 
the things you learned at Tuck to help you in that profession, or are they were they so different that it was it was it was quite a, you know quite a change from graduation? Oh, that's, I mean that's hard. I would say like my my super honest answer is not really. Like I I would say that I'm so thankful that I have the foundational knowledge of. I mean, I was a biochem major. Like my degree is legitimately in like molecular biology. So I'd never taken an like economics class. I'd never taken an accounting class. Like I just didn't know anything about anything. Um, and so I, moving into um, frog and innovation consulting and kind of being the so-called business person that helps essentially translate design concepts into a business unit, like all of those skills are extremely fundamental. So. I feel like coursework was super helpful. <laughs> I, yeah, I learned how to do an Excel model. Like I never touched Excel in undergrad. Annie, me too. I'm the same way as you. I, everything I learned in tech, I had never done in my pre-tech career. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so it was very helpful and it's like very fundamental, way, but it wasn't helpful in this kind of like, oh, I got to like, you know, learn about like high level strategy and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I, I feel like that, that was... A combination of maybe some Google experience and product and um, maybe some like really good like bullshitting in our strategy classes where you kind of like start talking and you don't really know what your point is yet kind of like what Steve did like a couple minutes ago but eventually you get to a point and you get to kind of like a aha moment and you kind of start to realize that you can do that in front of a client. Um, it's funny <laughs> you mentioned that before we when we were talking earlier um, we talked about our Genthys class in a totally different context. And that is the one class I draw upon. So while I joke about not referencing that, like I actually do think about that class routinely um, in my day to day. And it's, yeah, I think probably everyone just based upon their current role draws on different experiences yeah. that they had during talk for sure. Yeah. But that one, you know, Jake, for, for me, that Argenti class was like, there were very few classes at Tuck that force you to draw on all the disciplines, right? Like totally. bring together everything in one place. It's like Argenti actually did a great job of like, all right, it's finance, operations, marketing. Like you're a GM basically for a day. And I do feel like Tuck could do more of that. It's like my own little soapbox spiel. So the one thing that our, our listener would not realize from this, because it's not a visual medium, is that uh, Kent and Annie are both in like nearly matching like Bay Area standard issue like tech company zip up hoodies right now. And you guys are from central casting of like tech people. And yet you do not hail from the Bay Area. You are from Minnesota and Kansas, respectively. Do you uh, or how do you draw on those, like, you know, growing up in these, uh, you know, non-coastal places in your current extremely coastal lives? Like, does, does, I mean, that it, was it, a good question. I believe that was a good question. Excellent Steve. question, Steve. Oh, yeah. thank, oh, my God. Thank you guys so much. It's so nice. <laughs> no, He's just, like, I don't even want to hear the answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't honestly just, care. Just it's leave, fine. Steve. Quit. Quit. Yeah. quit okay. You you didn't blab on and on like you normally do. Nice work, Steve. Don't don't ruin this. The only thing I can think of is that growing up in Kansas, everyone is really, really nice. And for the most part, I still think I'm like pretty, pretty nice, unless you do something that pisses me off and I'm really mean to you. But 
For the most part, I think that like my <laughs> my MO at work is like I'm gonna be super nice to you and just default to like you know what you're doing and I trust you until you kind of like mess it up and then we'll have a discussion about it. But I'd love to have video documentary of Annie having like a firm discussion, you know, with someone who's <laughs> like, listen, I've been nice for long enough, but I think we need to yeah. <laughs> address the elephant in the room, which is your poor production. <laughs> I'm getting extremely close to classic murder. <laughs> but Ken, okay, so I had a, a deep one for you though. I uh, have been talking to Julia a lot and I feel like Julia moved back home after talk to Minnesota. And for me, her lifestyle there is like phenomenal, right? She's got near family. She's got like the, you know, the, the, the skating on ponds in the winter. She's got like the golfing in the summer. Like that seems very idyllic. And you, you just, you just spat on that. You're just like, absolutely not. I'm going to leave there. And so, you know, how, oh, okay. like, did you consider that? So, yeah, that's true. There's, there's like, if, if all the stuff he just described is, there's like some appeal to that for sure. I like the weather in Minnesota is tough. And <laughs> I think like when I was graduating high school and looking at schools to go to, I was looking at a bunch of schools in the Northeast. And then I had this moment, I was like, wait a second, like I get to decide where I want to go to school. <laughs> And going somewhere warmer sounds really nice. And so I went somewhere like slightly warmer for undergrad and was like, well, this is really nice. And then right after undergrad, I moved out to the Bay. And I think just like the mix of like being able to like enjoy the outdoors year round is like so wonderful and so enjoyable for me. And then because I moved here right after undergrad and I had some of my undergrad friends eventually come here and then I had this network develop around um, so I would say like why I left Minnesota was weather. <laughs> and then what probably has prevented me from going back is like, we ended up developing this other network. Uh, yeah. here. We did this thing where we moved to Portland recently and like, we just got back to the Bay area. Portland's a great city. There's a lot of awesome things about it. The nature is incredible. There's a really good food scene. Cost of living is way better than the Bay area. There's a bunch of amazing things about it, but both of us were there and we we're like, you know, like life short and like all our friends are in the bay. I mean, and that was very much exacerbated by COVID as well. It was like- Yeah, it's hard we, to make friends during COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's basically impossible to make friends during COVID, but we're, we're happy we're back. Yeah. Well, uh, we really hope to see you guys in Hanover in a year. I would say this, and I'm gonna just throw this out there. If within the next, let's call it six months, you know, one of you decides to propose to the other person, we should have your wedding in Hanover with everyone there. It makes all the sense in the world, cuts out all the logistics. The tuck band can play, you know, it'll be great. Yeah. Everything's the of my dreams that there I never <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, Kenton and Annie, we really can't thank you enough for joining us and filling us in and what you've been up to and sharing some of your stories with our fellow T11s. Thanks for inviting us and thanks so much for staying up so late. We yeah. really appreciate it. Oh, come on. This was the best. It was great seeing you guys. Bye. Love you guys. So, thanks, so fun. Great seeing all, right. all of you. Um, Jake, have fun waking up in like five hours to uh, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. <it does. laughs> I'm ready. That's that's how we should end our podcast. I'm ready. <laughs> oh man.
man. All right. Be well, guys. We Thanks, love you. Thanks, guys. See y'all. Thanks. Bye. Good to see you.